It's December 17th, 2015, and you're listening to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. Welcome to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. I'm your host, Chris Quinn, coming to you, as always, from the Co-Prosperity Sphere here in Bridgeport, Chicago. Thanks, as always, to Lumpin Radio. We are back in Studio B, and as you may be able to hear in the background, there's a bumping party in Studio A, maybe even more bumping than our live show that we did last week. So uh, always fun to have kind of a festive uh, atmosphere here. Sadly, I have nothing to do with that, but oh well. Um... For those of you who are new to the show, uh, the goal of the Insiders Roundtable is to open up a window into how the people making, selling, marketing, and facilitating the beer, getting into your glass feel about the topics that are a part of their everyday lives. Many of my greatest beer experiences have been talking about beer while sharing beer with people whose opinions I respect and admire. And it's these experiences that I hope to capture with the Insiders Roundtable. With that, I would like to introduce today's guest with the quick disclaimer that these people represent themselves and nobody else and no other entities necessarily other than themselves. So let's get right to it. We've got all repeat uh, guests. So uh, I I don't think we have to baby anybody. We're just going to get right into it. And um, I can't wait to just really screw this first guest over. Just really rake him over the coals. No, I'm kidding. Um, Really excited to have you back. Um, Brian Kirby, owner, founder, everything of Heartland Distribution. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Thanks, Thanks for coming back. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we got a lot of positive feedback. It's really hard, we, we mentioned last time, to get anybody from the second tier to come on. Um, they just don't seem to have a lot of interest, so it's awesome that you came on and spoke, um, spoke your mind. And So, what's new with you, man? Uh, same old. Um, it's just, uh, you know, end of 2015, been busy. Um, busy trying to, trying, to, trying to finish out. I mean, we're hitting all of our numbers for the year, which is great. You know, we've finally seen all that kind of come in, and then it's still instantly what's going on for 2016. So sitting down with real estate brokers, insurance brokers, bankers yesterday and trying to figure out what we're going to be able to do for what you year. live and, for right you know, why you yeah. really wanted to get into business too. i yeah i mean you know everyone gets into it like you like to brew beer or you know you like to do sales and i like to sit down with insurance then, guys yeah right. it's really do you seldom get to do what you know what you want to do you and i yeah we're kindred spirits that way um so is i know as a retailer <clears throat> definitely this part of this time of the year is, is my biggest time is it the same for i guess across the board is it the biggest for well it's a little different for us i mean we're we're coming up you know on the the finish of our second year um and you know last year we didn't really know what to expect if we were going to see seasonal flows because we're so small you know and we're constantly getting new accounts and we're bringing on new beers so we always kind of have that kind of built-in growth um and then also dealing with smaller breweries we get hits with with beer at different times throughout the year which gives us little bumps here and there so right 
this was a, kind of our first year, or you know, our first year of having repeat numbers to kind of see what the cycle was going to be, and it pretty much fit what I expected when I worked with other distributors. You know, it's kind of the first quarter is a little bit slow coming out of the gate. First two, we get the you know the real meat and the potatoes, getting back to yeah, the food right. analogies. Yeah, you're right. Um, and you know, and then you try and hold on steady for like the fourth quarter. Um, you know, just kind of that see the finish line or whatever, and try to finish out as yeah. strong as you can. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we're doing well. You know, we don't really have grocery store beer and stuff like that, where people are grabbing beers and heading out for uh, you know the holidays and stuff like that. But sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been good. I mean, I've been happy. We're we're right where we want to be at. So I know for me, it's definitely yeah. Q one is the slowest, and then it's just a slow ramp up through the end of the year, and then it drops off. Hopefully, not as much as it did the year before and right. above, and then it just keeps kind of ramping up. What about you, Tracy? Tracy Hurst of uh, Metropolitan Brewing. Welcome back. Thank you. What's your do you is fourth quarter? Big for you, biggest for you, or maybe summer because of some of the lighter Q2 and Q3 are my biggest quarters. Interesting. Um, I worked really hard to bring Q4 up this year, though, Mm -hmm. uh, with our Doppelbach and with announcing that our uh, Schwartz beer is now a full-time beer, Yep. um, which is really Mm -hmm. exciting, and it definitely helped my numbers for the fourth quarter, for sure. The holidays are big for beer, absolutely. Um, Right. You know, people are spending time with their families and either getting drunk with their families or because right. of their families. <laughs> right, right. And But some of your beers, or a lot of your beers, um, almost all of your, your year-round ones, not including Magnetron, but not necessarily not including it, is seems to me like warm weather beer, summer beer, outside, picnic, patio, just ones that you want to just well, have that's at true. all times. That's true across the board. Um, and that's something about American craft beer culture, uh, which is something we talk about a lot, um, once you step foot out of the United States, people drink what they want when they want. Um, we we tend to drink seasonally here, yeah. uh, which, you know, I, I, I ride a fine line between trying to convince people not to do that and then going along with it by making sure. a Doppelbach and trying to put out a winter specialty that you, wins people over. Do you think that's something because we're up north? I mean, I lived down in Florida, and, like, I didn't feel the seasonality as much. And right. so I just kind of drank what fit for what I was in the mood for. And so I just wonder if, if a lot of the seasonality is more kind of us. Like, I don't know. North, That's interesting. North, That's a good point. I've always lived in more, yeah, kind of temperate here. places. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Is that the right word? Temperance? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Temperance. Temperance. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you tend to want kind of hardier stuff in the wintertime. Plus... It is, although I don't know. I mean, that's when all the big stout releases tend to come out. I, I tend to think that that has a lot to do with why my Q4 numbers tend to do well is because you've got the the big Bourbon County stuff and all everyone else is doing theirs. And in addition to that, you've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and people mm-hmm. getting drunk because of or for <laughs> the benefit of their families and stuff like that. I don't know. Just kind of curious to see mm-hmm. if it was the same for, for everyone else. People a lot of times ask me certain things about the store, thinking that it's going to be typical. And I'm, I try to tell them, my store is very atypical. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's normal. I mean, as is my brewery. Right. Um, you know, we, I guess everyone's is in to, their own way. We try to, you know, ride under the radar of all that and just make beer that people like to drink every single day. And that fits into their life, just like the Germans do, you know, drink beer all day, however they want. And, you know, 
we don't want to be the popular kids on the block because we just want to be every day. So, right. so yeah, it's unusual. We, you know, we grow a little bit slower than everybody else and our, our numbers operate a little differently from everyone else. But hey, as long as I can pay my bills, I don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> How about you, Ashley? When do you sue the most people? What, what quarter? <laughs> <coughs> Ashley <coughs> Brandt of Freeborn Peters. I never sue anyone. Oh, uh, they they sue themselves, right, yeah, and yeah. I just happen yeah. to Subtle be the person. They have, they yeah. have created an issue, and I am there to resolve it. <laughs> exactly. What I'm there for. Mm-hmm. No, right. Th- th- there's there's a ramp up towards this time of year because everybody wants to get things done before the. Uh, I didn't really intend for you to answer that, but cool. Oh, oh yeah, talk right into the mic there. Actually, the mic. The mic. Yeah, microphone. Everybody wants to get things done before. The tax season is over. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I can't write this off uh, come January 1st, so let's get it in there. What's new with you, man? Anything? Life is good. Good. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, doing some uh, kegerator work. We cleaned out your kegerator. Yes. Today. Freeborn and Peters now has a, a, full, uh, a full-time keg operator at the Beer Temple. Nice. wonderful. Yeah, cool. Glad we to, appreciate it. Glad to do that. Yeah. Um... So, moving right along, uh, well, I was going to get into beers that we are interested in, but you brought some beer, Brian, what, can you go first? What, what's this beer that you brought in the Growler? Um, it's a brewery that, it's out by our warehouse on Plainfield, Workforce Brewing Company. Um, they primarily started as a uh, homebrew shop. It's one of the premier homebrew shops, to, in all honesty, in the Midwest. It's a, they do a fantastic job there and watching them grow. Um, so they started, uh, you know, kind of doing the brew and grow thing where they bring in, you know, a brewing system and let you come in and learn how to brew, and they do demonstrations at all the fests. Um, then they finally branched off a little bit and did Workforce Brewing Company, so now they're brewing their own stuff, have their own label, self okay. that type of thing. So this one's called... Oh, nice. This one's called Steve's Going to Hellas. So one of their brewers, presumably named Steve, and they did a Hellas lager. I don't know a ton <laughs> of behind it. I mean, it was the first time I had it was tonight. I was looking for something a little bit lighter, a little bit crisper to put in a growler and bring out here. Nice, it's a great chat. Cool, it's wonderful beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve's a cool guy. Uh, cool. And you got this today? Oh, I yeah, got yeah. Right I mean, that's uh, three hours old. You know, I got here a little early tonight. But um, very cool. Well, thank you. Uh, anything that you wanted to plug, maybe, or just talk about? That's it. Steve's nope. going to hell. I, I, I drink like uh, one of everything. It's always that's what you said for, last yeah, time. Yeah, it's always looking for something new. And just Total kind of cop out. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're a little heavier <laughs> on porters and stouts, obviously. Kind of getting into this, but I still. I try a little bit of everything from everybody just to kind of see where everyone's at. How about you, Tracy? I know you've got a beer that you're, you've been liking lately. Uh, my, my own beers or somebody else's? You've asked that, <laughs> I think, every single time, too. Uh, either. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, uh, we're drinking a lot of Generator in the brewery these days. Our Doppelbacher 8.2, our very deceptive 8.2% um, Doppelbach. Um, just like the rest of our beers, super clean and dry and very well balanced, and uh, we're super proud of it. And we just advise people to proceed with caution. <laughs> that was your first seasonal. Wasn't it was. It? We've been yeah. doing it every year since for seven years now. This is our seventh. I remember. Year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and have you? Do you guys change it up a little bit every year? Or you got it pretty much locked in. No, it's it's a pretty solid beer along you know, along with our core beer beers. Uh, the now four core beers. Um, this one has, I think, has been on point every year. We're really proud of it. Um, People you'll see it. love it. Yeah. Y- yeah, you know, and it's a fun story to tell. You know, Doppelbach was originally brewed by the Polliner monks uh, to drink while they were fasting for Lent. 
because apparently it's fucking awesome to be a monk. Mm. <laughs> they believe that fluids cleanse the soul and the body. So for the 46 days of Lent, they consume Doppelbach and don't eat any solid food. So Yeah. Yeah. And they had to get a special dispensation from the Pope uh, because they thought that it was so enjoyable that maybe it, it couldn't be the right thing to be doing. And the Pope literally be like, no, no, it's cool. You can keep doing this. Let's drink. So, yep. Yeah. And I do like that you have the ATOR suffix in there, the kind of the homage yep. to the original. I think that's always really cool when Doppelbox do that mm-hmm. for those of you guys out there. I mean, we're um, not a religious brewery by any stretch, but it's a really fun tradition, and it's yeah. a German thing, and, you know, we're excited about it. And, yeah, a, a Doppelbach should be named with the Ator suffix. That's what I think. So. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, well, cool. Well, I forgot to ask you, what's what's new with you guys at, at Metro, other than the generator? Well, Any? the big news that we released right before Thanksgiving is we are building a bigger brewery in Avondale, right near your shop. Actually, yeah. we're going to be neighbors. Um, like right in, like a block or two yeah, away. Stumbling distance awesome. away, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be our big project for the next nine or 12 months ahead. So uh, we're really <sighs> excited. We've been working on it for two years, and it's finally coming through. And you know, I heard it's you have be a, fun. It's a big space from what I hear. It is. We're moving from 4,500 square feet to 20,000 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. It's going to be an embarrassment of riches for a minute there. And you're going to have a tap room? We are. We're going to have a public space where you can come and drink with us. And we're part of a really big project. Um, it's not even named yet, but we are an anchor, and Metropolis Coffee is the other anchor. Right. So all the shipments are going to get screwed up. Right. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, but, you know, Tony is a great guy, and I love his company, and I love what they do, and we have a lot of philosophies in common, and... Um, we're really excited to. We've actually worked with them already, made beer with their coffee, so you can count on it. In the tap room, we're always going to have a coffee infused beer with Metropolis oh, cool. Coffee. Oh, yeah, right. That among makes other sense. special stuff there. But cool. And then there, between us, are going to be all Chicago artisanal food. So a chocolatier is on board, a distiller, um, pastry shop. You know, and th- in this that's all, space, yep, right? Yep. Because it's, it's a huge space. It's one hundred twenty thousand square feet. Um, yeah, so we're really excited. It's going to be a place to hang. I mean, I keep saying all they need to do is put a massage therapist in there, and I would just never leave. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're really excited. I can't wait to have everyone over. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I will be there. So let me ask you real quick. <clears throat> what is the thing that you're most excited about with this expansion, or one of the things you're most excited about? Giving out more jobs. Oh, Cool. Yeah, getting big enough that we can hire some more people and we can, you know, we don't have any plans to conquer the world. We do have an end to our business plan and, you know, it'll involve giving out three or four dozen good jobs and um, getting to the point where the brewery is operating so that we can, um, you know, the, the vision is to be part of the community and to start doing some good in Chicago for other small businesses and for charity and the things that are near and dear to us. I've always felt that having a business gives you a special voice and this will be finally our chance to be a part of the community and to use our well, voice and our on. money you guys already are but yeah but yeah but you know be able to have the to money and, and resources yeah. to you know do some good and you know put our weight and our name behind some projects that help chicagoans that is awesome but now what are you most scared shitless about oh the expansion. whole thing Everything. it's terrifying yeah, yeah um yeah you plunge your brewery very deeply into debt but you know 
we're not in it because we're risk averse. We're here, we're here to play and, you know, we're excited and, you know, I mean, I wrote a business plan. I know the numbers. Yeah. If we, if we don't fuck it up, we'll, we'll do really well. And I'm excited for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to hear the, uh, the updates as you, as you continue to come on the show. You got it. Uh, what are you drinking, Ashley? Um, Gosh. Into the microphone. Oh, into the microphone. Sorry. Into the microphone. I, you know, I, about, about a year ago. So the sound comes out. You got to talk. I know. I know. <laughs> you're, 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 you're looking into the thing. About a year ago, the liquor store, Golden Leaf, down the street from where I live. No one, no one Google that, trying to figure out where to, where mm-hmm. to find me. Um, I found 12 bottles of End of Days, which was a Pipeworks beer, and I put them up. And I now have this Christmas started to open them, and I think I'm going to keep them and see how they age over the course of the next. Nice. Gosh, three to four years, and just to see what it does. But that beer just changes in a way that that I've found really special. Cool. Uh, the chocolate, a little bit of spice. Yeah, um, it's fun. It's like their really Mexican yeah. stout, Mexican chocolate oh, it, stout. Yeah, it, it, whatever you it really call does that. fun things when it's when it's been put up for a while. Very cool. I got a single bottle of the barrel aged version of that. They released a whole bunch yeah. of barrel aged stuff, so I haven't tried it yet. But I was told that's the one to get. So it's a really special beer. The first time I met the guys, they don't remember this, but it was uh, it was right after they had had done a, a test batch of it and put too much pepper into it. Okay, and it was one of the funnest things because there was too much bite on the back end of my mouth. It was it was just really special. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so I enjoy it. So you just yeah, so you you remembered your yeah. your mouth being on fire and everything like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people assume that I've tried everything or all the super rare beers I've tried, and most of the time it's like I. I don't know. I have a hard time if someone comes in and wants to buy the beer to not let them have the beer. Um, so it's, it's pretty unusual for something where I only get like a case or two to, to set one aside. So I'm very excited to try that one out here. Here it's really good. And I love Barrel Asia Braxis. It's like one of my favorites of all time. So I think barrel treatments do go very well with that, that style of beer. So cool. You, you'll have to uh, come on. Once well, every I'll, year for I'll, the next 12 I'll, years. I'll bring a bottle next time. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Once a year, bring a bottle um, for 12 years. Um, uh, well, I think we should just probably move on. Um, some big big topics, again, with, with distributors and, and these big retailers and, and stuff like that. A couple episodes ago, we talked about um, how in, here in... Uh, Illinois Rounders talking about abolishing the uh, the Liquor Control Board and mm-hmm. kind of craziness with that. And I said at the time it'd be interesting with a different set of people to bring that back up. And then this uh, past week I noticed, uh, actually, uh, we got a, a letter from Jack. And he was talking about, or he sent me um, uh, just a write-up that uh, Paul Gatza of the Brewers Association wrote about... Um, their concerns over Kroger's Planogram Center of Excellence, as they call it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Kroger is the number one beer retailer in the country. Um, it, I mean, they just sell huge amounts of beer. Um, I'm sure, Tracy, as, mm-hmm. as you could probably say, I mean, those supermarkets mm-hmm. and those chains move beer mm-hmm. like nobody's business. Yeah, chain sales are huge. That's when you, as a brewery, move a ton of beer, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, um, so it's uh, Kroger uh, plans to announce the Planogram Center of Excellence, which is it basically helping people do, to do their beer, wine, and spirit sets. 
But the issue is because we had Tony McGee on in the past, mm-hmm. and he said that their that Lagunitas was helping Walgreens with their sets. Um, but this one was going to be managed by Southern Wine and Spirits, and they're, if not the biggest, one of the biggest wine and spirits uh, retail uh, distributors in the country. I think they might be the biggest. They're, they're huge. Um, and funded by suppliers and wholesalers. Um, so essentially, they're letting an outside company with an interest in their sets to do their sets. Um, I know I certainly have some thoughts about it, but I wanted to hear one from a supplier, one from a distributor, and then from an attorney. He actually is salivating right now. You can't see it. It's like one of those dogs panting, just waiting. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, when do you guys jump, jump out? Is this a big deal, not a big deal? seemed pretty unbelievable to me. It is a big deal, but we have rules for it. <laughs> and uh, if, 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 if they were to decide to, to not sell, to, to exclude individuals from the market, to try and keep people out, uh, they can't just tie everything together. There's dating back to Teddy Roosevelt and trust busters, antitrust mm-hmm. laws that, that deal with these things. So the, yeah. But these people are smart. I mean, oh, if they were going to do it, wouldn't plenty, they do plenty it people the think they're smart and they do it on the sly and they they try to to get away with it. Martin Schreckwelli or whatever yeah, his name uh, is. A year later, everyone realizes. Well, wait a minute. I haven't seen you know I, I haven't seen a Heartland beer in the mm-hmm. store in in six months, and it sounds like it seems as though something odd is going on. And sure enough, you bring a lawsuit and. You find out, yes, there is something going on. They they have decided not to to carry those beers, and that's not legal. You were going to say something, Brian, or no? I think I was going to say start the timer on it. How <laughs> we can so? Talk, it? Maybe we can talk about it for a very long time. All right, I'll start. The so timer. in in my in my scope, um, to me, it's just big guys kind of getting bigger. It's it's completely separate from what uh, from what it is that we do. You know, we, we try and, and, and be smaller and, you know, the artisanal uh, hand selling, you know, the local type aspect to it. And they're just taking a different approach to it where they're just kind of laying down and saying, here, you manage it, you take care of it. Um, there's a lot of that that's already taking place. And I think that's why they're kind of comfortable go moving into do it like this, because it's something that's already essentially taking place. I mean, you pay for it's not just with beer either. I mean, if you know, if you want to get shelf space with your cheese or whatever you're selling Doritos paper, anything yeah, you, yeah. S- you still pay for shelf space so it's not that it's that when far when you say out- pay for it like what do you mean by pay for shelf space not necessarily in beer but just in, in general can well, you if- just detail that out a little bit Full disclosure: I've never paid a check to. to I'm shelf space, right, but right. Full <laughs> he, he's not allowed to, and he never would. Right. But but other people are. Uh, stores, brands, uh, and it's legal for other people. Who, yeah, yeah who, who don't have these restrictions that alcohol does are allowed to pay for premium placing on you know the the fourth shelf up as opposed to being down near the second shelf or the, the one that the as a, as a, a former stock boy at a supermarket, I remember. Um, yeah, like the big, like Frito-Lay was like a big one and Coca-Cola, Pepsi. They would have their own guys come in, stock all the shelves, rotate everything around. They were in charge of that area, that set, I guess, if you will. Um, are you saying that there would be, I mean, literal, potentially literally payment going on to rent that, that space out on a shelf? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... When you just even look at like the energy drinks, when it's like Monster versus Red Bull, and who has more of this and more of that, you know, it really comes down. It's at a national level where 
whatever monster corporate pays Hanson pays X amount of money to that corporate division and they get mm-hmm. X amount of space to play with. Um, right. You, you, I think you, it's essentially up to them to decide where, you know, what they want to put in there and what they want to do with it. You figure the optimal, the optimal height is five feet and everyone pays a premium dollar to be at five feet and then six feet, a little bit less, four feet, a little bit less than that. And that's how that works. And the stock boys who get paid to come in are actually there not only to organize the shelves to make them look pretty but to make sure that it's maintained right um so why is this so who cares just do it for beer too well i mean at my level like i'm not entirely concerned but i can see guys that are at a much higher level that might be concerned i mean probably the middle tier craft brewers you know that aren't necessarily that that might be in a position where they don't get into that set um i mean i've been a part of planogram you know meetings and committees and deciding what to put on, on shelves and usually you know you Put a few of your best sellers in there. You put a little bit of the middle guys, and you put some new guys, up and comers, or maybe guys that don't necessarily sell very well. You mm-hmm. put them, slide them in the little corners and stuff like that. Um, but you're always doing what's best for you, and it's not necessarily what's best for that retailer or what's best for the consumer that's going in there. You being, but, in this case, Southern Wine and Spirits. Yeah, presumably. Right. Um, but I mean, where I'm at, I'm, I'm not trying to get into grocery stores that's not that's not my target audience at the moment mm-hmm. and and if they want to if, if if Kroger's stance is going to be we want Southern Wine and Spirits to handle handle that division and let them put in there what they want to do fine so be it I'm going to go right across the street to that other grocery store that's not playing it that way mm-hmm. and I'll put my brands in there and the people if they want my brands they know they don't go to Kroger they go you know across the street and that's yeah. how that's how I, I beat that out so I mean there's there's always ways around everything I mean as we talked last time, if they want to take up all the cans, you know, fine. They'll right. find, you know, 500 milliliter bottles, and that'll be the next cool thing, you know. So. Oh, well, how about but, you, Tracy? Does this bother you or worry you at all? Or, Well, I, admittedly, I'm new to the chain arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2015, my numbers in, uh, like, Jewel and such were flat where my numbers for independent retailers like yours were up quite a bit. So, uh, I think I'm just going to take the approach that I've always taken and just kind of wait and see what happens. Um, you know, the idea that Tony McGee is helping Walgreens set their planograms. I'm not, you know, we work together with the same distributor. So, you know, just, is that going to help me? I'm not sure. Sure. Um, and the fact that Southern Wine and Spirits is going to work with Kroger, is that going to hurt me? You, you know, I'm going to wait and see. I'm I'm not totally comfortable with the notion that a distributor, because, you know, it's true. They're going to work to their own best interest. Um, and also it says funded. It says uh, funded by suppliers and wholesalers. So suppliers and wholesalers are going to fund this. I mean, so that's money out of their what what pocket. what needs to be funded? I guess the resources, the time, the energy to do the sets. I would presume. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's I tried phenomenal. to look up. I mean, I already do that. I mean, yeah. I go into some accounts and you know straighten out my beer and move my beer and stuff like that. I mean, that happens. So I think they also run something. analytics and stuff too. I would imagine. You know, they're probably doing presentations and stuff like that about what's moving, what's mm-hmm. hot in the industry right now, what's going on, what you should have placements of. Um, this is a lot of it. What what Tony said that that they do, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't a big deal, why is the Brewers Association, the National uh, like Beer uh, 
here, let's see who signed this. So they, they, they sent a letter to the uh, sec- uh, Department of Treasury, uh, this, um, and it was signed by the American Beverage Licensees, the National Association of Beverage Importers, the uh, head of the Brewers Association, the National Beer Wholesalers, Wine America, and then some President's Forum, which I don't know who that is. Might be very important. Great guy, or great gal, Victoria McDowell. Um, it seems like a lot of people are upset mm. about this. Is it just because they, they want to get theirs, or is it because... No, I don't think it is. Fear of favoritism. I think yeah. it is a yeah. big deal, but it's, yeah. a, it's a big deal at a, a much larger scale than what we're essentially kind of a part of right now. Um, okay. I think it was well, not... me too. I don't but, think it's a right way to solve the problem. I mean, the idea, you know, in big chains, a lot of times they have people working in those departments that don't know jack shit about beer. True. And I think the idea is that they're trying to bring people in who know more. I think a much better idea would have been to give a job to somebody for each store who knows a lot about beer to do this independently. I think it... I think from you know my perspective, this is just a kind of a cop-out on Kroger's mm-hmm. part to hire a distributor when they could hire someone new at each store to do this, yeah. to know their local market, know the demographic, and know which beers move, watch numbers, watch you know certain jewels do well with beer and certain jewels don't. So mm-hmm. they should have someone in there to try and grow that business. Um, so I think there was a better way to solve the problem, and maybe that's why all of these people with a lot of clout are signing these letters and upset about this. I was at, uh, I think it was, yeah, the, this last CBC in Portland, the Craft Brewers Conference, and there was a big thing about uh, a big discussion from like a retailer's panel or something like that where the retailers were talking to brewers about how to get into their chains and what they can do and how to best work with them and it ended up being the kroger show i didn't realize that everyone up there was going to be kroger i presume neither of you guys were also listening to that speech. i wasn't there i thought it was kind of funny because they said what you have to do is you know get them their your skew ahead of time all of kroger goes through one person if yep. you have any questions yep. you have to go through one person for the entire and it was right after they talk about how much beer they do, how many stores they have, how many this. Because it's not just Kroger. There's like 15 different brands that Kroger owns mm-hmm. you would never know is Kroger. Uh, and, and I just turned to who I was there with. and was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. That that's what they expect small brewers to do is get on Kroger to mm-hmm. make sure that everything is there. Everything has its uh, an independent skew or upc that isn't duplicated anything else there and if it does make sure that it doesn't have this and that uh so maybe that's also some of what they're off-putting i mean it seems to me like i don't know i've known to be a little cynical but it sounds like they just want to like eh, this stuff's going to move anyway it'll probably move a little bit better you take care of it it's i don't care whose i sell i just want to sell it Mm -hmm. and if you can take care of it for me good go for it you think they really give a crap about Metropolitan or Heartland? No. No. I mean, they just completely indifferent. Now, do you think Southern does? Probably. They care about their guys. I mean, you said it's nice you, you were the same distributor as Lagunitas, mm-hmm. but if you go to another market, mm-hmm. you easily could not be. And Lagunitas is doing that nationally for Walgreens. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Kroger just bought, I believe, Roundy's, which yes. also owns Mariano's. Oh. And Mariano's is a good account for me. So you can bet in 2016 I'm going to be watching how this plays out because local Marianos do really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And think about the uh, self-distro guys. I mean, will they have any place? Do you really think Southern is going to be going into every single market, seeing who's doing self-distro, and then trying to get them into the sets? Well, even now with like Target and Walmart and all those places, like yeah, they have a defined planogram, but they're still now kind of still even built in like four feet of shelf space or a little mm-hmm. bit of cooler space mm-hmm. where you get the you know you let their beer guy, their buyer, yeah. kind of have a little free play in what they want to do. And that's kind of, you know, where we operate within, you know, we let that, the big 80% do their thing and we operate within that 20 and that's where we make our living at. Um, so I think that will still always exist. Um, I mean, you, you kind of have to have that. But, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you're going to be a big box thing and do the big box brands, like, that's mm-hmm. fine. Go do that. That's, that's your MO. It's, it's, it's a capitalist market. Someone else is going to go the other way. You know, maybe they only bring in self-distributing or guys that are under you know, 50,000 barrels a year and they, they go that route, you know, when they're constantly changing brands and styles out. So there's, there's a lot of different, a lot of different opportunities. You're a huge avenue to growth for somebody who, let's say, is trying to open up a new brewery or trying to do a new expansion and they sell a hell of a lot of stuff in, in chains and big markets and now you've got the biggest blocking them. So potentially, potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all potentially, but... Uh, I don't know. To me, it, it worries me. And it's very similar to, I think, what we were talking about with the uh, uh, here in Illinois, the, abolishing the Liquor Control Board and having it be, you know, a panel of advisors from the, it sounds like wine and spirits, again, mm-hmm. distributors. And a lot of people here uh, since then and, and since that episode and before then even were saying, well, you know who it is. It's a blank distributor here in Illinois. And I'm guessing people in this room all know who that is. And it's very similar. I mean, it might as well be if it, well, I'm, I won't go any further, but it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, so something doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I don't know. What do you think, Ashley? What does the Liquor Control Board do that uh, anyone else couldn't? The Liquor Control Commission functions, does a wonderful job, mm-hmm. and has a staff that is spectacular. They do amazing work. And then why would you get rid of them? The, well, no, that's the staff. The board is there to to oversee things, to comment, to you know, implement policy, to try and direct uh, individuals to, to to function a certain way. Whether or not those people are tied to an industry, maybe it's better that they're tied to an industry that they actually know what's going on and can help out. As long as you even out that board and keep it, if you're going to have three tiers, keep it somehow balanced between three different tiers. So and who who balances have, it? Who balances that out? And then why did you give the, you give a big thumbs up there? Uh, <coughs> well, yeah, I mean, when I re- originally read the article, it, it you know obviously seemed like it was kind of the panel was tiered towards distribution. Um, and I'm 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 pro brewer and I'm pro distributor where I'm at. You know, and I hope to always uh-huh. kind of maintain that. Um, but I think you know it's just putting making it fair, fair, you know, fair, fair market, fair playground. You know, if you have a panel of six guys, have two be from, you know, the retail association, two from a distributor, you know, and then two from the supplier level and have, you know, of those two, one's a, one comes from a large brewer, one comes from a small brewer, one comes from a large distributor, one comes from small. Maybe you throw in another two guys and one does, you know, the lawyer aspect of it and someone else is just an arbitrary third party too. And then I don't know what the number was would be, but maybe 75% of the people have to agree in order for that change to take place. So, you know, you if you put a panel together of seven people and, you know, four of them are, are distributors and three of them are, you know, 
representing the other two branches, mm-hmm. you know, and then we do a majority vote and four distributors vote this way. Well, hey, you know, we've got people from where we represent all, all the branches in our panel. Yeah, but the majority is obviously from there. Right. So whatever, whatever ends up happening needs to be up front. And, and the fact that this is taking place, I mean, I guess it started in April and we're really just now starting to talk about it in December. But just the mere fact that it's been going on and then you hear kind of like the scuttlebutt from people that are on the board saying we're not supposed to say anything. It just, it, it stinks, you know, uh, just why, why not come forward and just lay it out there and look, let's, let's figure out what, what's going to work best for everybody. Um, so you don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the system? You're just worried about, or think there's issues with the implementation of it? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I don't think that the situation that we have now is the best situation that we're in. Like, I'm not a giant fan of the liquor right. commission. I'm not... I mean, I've I've been inspected more times than I expected to be inspected in my first couple of years. Uh-huh. But even then, like I ask questions, and it's just like they don't necessarily have the answers on stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, how long have you been an agent for? Seven years. Like, well, how are you an agent for seven years? And like, you can't answer this question. Not necessarily literally, no, but like hypothetically, what what sort of things would you expect them to know? Well, just like when I talk about um, if I can give samples to accounts, you know, like. Is it is it cool if I open up a keg and pour some beer out of it and put it into a bottle and 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 give it to a retailer and say, hey, try this beer out? You know, I'm not charging anything. Mm-hmm. It's not labeled. You know, what? How does that all work? And like, well, it's kind of a gray area. You know, like it needs to say that, you know, it's a sample and you know it's not for retail and all this stuff. But then they're like, but it's kind of a gray area though. You know, like if it, you know if you get caught with it or whatever, like. So I'm just like, well, I mean, just <laughs> so tell me what this, I but if tell you get me caught, what I tell trouble. me what I can do and what I can't do and they can't. They can't put that out there, you know? Uh-huh. And so maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. That way I can kind of do stuff, and then, he's, and then I can come back and say, well, it doesn't say I can't do this or can't do that. Um, so th- that needs to get cleaned up. I mean, there's a lot of verbiage in the stuff that they have out there that can be mistaken and go, I mean, obviously that's kind of where Ashley comes into play. But um, So I'd like to see that get cleaned up. Um, you know, and then they're talking about handing off a lot of uh, the day-in, day-out stuff to, like, the local municipalities, and aren't we trying to get less stuff off of the municipalities? Like, aren't we trying to remove, like, the mar- marijuana and stuff like that from being, like, you know, big, big deals, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, let's let's make them in charge of going in and seeing if someone, you know, if Joe Schmo is cleaning his draft lines. You're like, who wants to do that? Right. right. Well, it just won't happen. Right. right. So, I don't know. It's, it's I don't... I, it stinks of like money for revenue, and and then even hearing on like that they saw a couple hundred cases in the, in a year that right. that didn't come across legally, and it results in like millions of dollars. So like, what you're that saying doesn't is, add up either, but so that what the report said is that they uh, they estimated that hundreds or something of cases right. illegally came into the city, and it was twenty million dollars in revenue. So yeah, I'm sure something got miscued along the way, and I, I guarantee it's way more than hundred cases. I doubt that it's millions of dollars in tax revenue, but there right. is something there. But it's such a small, small little piece, and not to even like branch off. But you know, like a, a year and a half, two years ago, when we had problems getting like the labels and stuff like that approved, the government shutdown, like. All they had to do was put someone in there for like fifty thousand dollars a salary, a state employee, or something like that, to just approve stuff. You know, get the beer out there. Like, how many taxes are you missing on beer being brewed, beer beer being sold, beer? You know, from I, she pays beer or taxes when she makes beer. I pay taxes when I sell that. The the retailers paying beer when when they sell it, and it, on and on and on. And it's like you want to talk about like how many millions of dollars were lost there. Like, let's start there. Like, let's improve the processes and the flow that's already in place before we start pulling this board, pulling that panel, putting these people together. So that's so yeah. I think uh, you, you <clears throat> fairly 
succinctly put, but it just something about it stinks. It's not jiving. Yeah, yeah, and I think for both of this and also for the Kroger thing, maybe I just am naturally not the most, um, I guess, trusting. I mean, I don't think they're doing it because it's bad, but I don't think they're doing it because it's better. I think they're doing it because there's money in it for them. They're going to save money. Mm-hmm. And, or it's easier. Or it's easier, which to, to me, like, for them, that's, it's probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Easier means I don't have to spend the money to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of power. Uh, and if this works, who knows if, you know, everyone else will start doing it. And I think it, it, it is pretty easy because, especially with beer, you've got a lot of these big breweries who are very closely tied, if not direct owners of distributors. And talk about incentive. I mean, I really think, I mean, do they, does, does uh, you know, SAB, InBev, Miller, Coors, everything. Do they hate craft beer? No. But they like their beer. And it's easier to do deal a, of a set of 30 brands rather than 3,000 brands. And uh, it kind of brings us to our, what we'll, we'll talk about, which it's actually more like 4,144 brands. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's like... Craft beer, it's like more money, more problems, I think is kind of what it is. You know, people have now taken notice of you guys, and they're like, okay, let's play ball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the macros hate us, though. Yeah. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> that it was very is. diplomatic of you, but they hate us. I don't think they hate you because of what you are. I think they hate you because now they have to deal with you. Because we're cutting into their bottom line yeah. every year, more and more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, seems, unless there's anything else anyone wants to add, we should probably... Yeah. Take a break. Give me t- time to slowly step down, down from my soapbox. And yeah, go join the party. Get off your soapbox. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. We'll be back in a little bit with more of the roundtable. See ya. Temple Insiders Roundtable. I'm your host, Chris Quinn, joined by Ashley Brandt, ready to go, Tracy Hurst, and Brian Kirby. How's that bottle? There he's you go. He's not ready yeah. to go. No, of course he's not. <laughs> like, the mic totally turned away, looking more or less at his phone, it might as well be, and uh, there you go. There you go. Thanks, Ashley. Um, so, uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, out there, and welcome back here. We didn't really go anywhere. I'm kind of afraid to go out there. They're having like such a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, you like, gotta have your uh, your whip and your nene on point. Yeah, right. That's, uh, Man, uh, festive. So I wanted to go turn to some some good news. Kind of a historic moment for for beer overall in in America, but uh, definitely driven by craft beer is I think there are more breweries now in the United States than ever in the history of the country. So 4,144. What was the zenith? Was it 1923 or? 1873. Bullshit. 4,131. Uh, okay. <laughs> is it really 1800s? <laughs> BS until I gave you the number. Yeah, and then you're right, like, right, eh, right, fine. Yeah, maybe they have a point. What's up? Way. Is it really 18, late 1800s? 
Yeah, when, yeah, the, yeah. When it peaks? the previous record was 4,131. Right that's amazing. That's right, because that's what you always hear, that that's what kind of killed right. the number of breweries. But I think consolidation was already happening before that. A lot of it was tied houses and yeah. stuff like that, where these big corporate interests maybe were were getting their, you know, their well, hands in into it, and stuff was getting dirty, and not stuff we have to worry about now. So let's move interest on. To be a tied oh, yeah. house, a tied yeah. house is yeah, right. simply, I own the bar. No, I know. I'm using corporate beer. as, as brew pubs are tied not house. fairly, but yeah. right. I mean, I'm. Uh, someone told me today nothing that wrong with like, oh, that, that beer's only going to, to corporate England, accounts. England functions off tied houses. Like, the, the idea True. that that you a tied house is somehow wrong, and other bars wouldn't open up and service people because of it that's that's ass night. no no there were tight houses and they were they were operating very corruptly i should mm-hmm. say and, and now all the merchandise that they used to sell is worth 20 times as much on ebay it's true you well know, I, mean, I, I found age. a schlitz sign from 1871 and it's amazing right um yeah, no, you're you're right. It has nothing to do necessarily with corporate or tied house. But uh, Schlitz Brewery sent water mm-hmm. down to the city of Chicago after the Chicago fire. That's right. That I mean, nice. AB still does <laughs> that. that. Was nice of them. Still does it now. They you <laughs> oh, know yeah, they'll like, can yeah. water and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is uh, yeah, <laughs> that there's that we're now uh, past that. Well, so, the, so it took yes. all that time, and we're finally above Thank that. Thank goodness. Obviously, uh, and, and it's what already... Was, what was is it, 1870? What was the year? 1873. Nice. And so just from last year, it's already up 19%. So last year we were at um, 3464, uh, and we we're at 4,144, and there's still you know time to go in the year, so we're presumably going to go higher. Um, and then last year, uh, so it's increasing. So last year... It grew by eighteen eighteen point seven this year. Was, it's so far it's nineteen point six, and then it was eighteen percent again uh, the previous year. So it's just this you know essentially twenty almost twenty percent growth in brewery Did openings. Did those metrics track eighteen seventy three, eighteen seventy two, and eighteen seventy one? That is for the next episode. Interesting. We're talk are about are that we one. are we what forty? 42 years away from World War One. <laughs> so you tie the number of breweries to well, World I, I, Wars? I don't know if, if I think if that's I have, the, if the I correlation have here. an historical record here that is uh, some kind of repetition, I'm just wondering. Well, no, it's just the, it's the peak, so we, ca- mm. we can't, we have to keep going, we can't We peak, should. Or else the world will end. Absolutely. Um, anyway. I'm starting a brewery right now in this bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh... What do you think of this number, Mr. Brandt, since you're what? already... I think it's a fabulous number. I think that number should be bigger. I think I think there should be Why? some kind of uh, functional equivalent of this is a product that inspires the community, and that community should be local, and mm-hmm. it should 100% be something that you deal with. Yes, when you get to travel, you get to have that experience a thousand times over, and you know that when you invite those people back that you met in Australia on you know your avenue in Perth that you stayed on, um, and you, you had those friends and they had their beer, you bring them back to Chicago and you show them what it is to have the, the beer on your block. Um, you said mm-hmm too. What do you think about this, Tracy? Does it mean... Well, I think it's partly because the definition of what a brewery has changed over the past few years, and I think it's great. I think, oh, right. You've talked about that yeah, as well. I think, um, you know, it's pointing to supporting locals, supporting your neighbors, and different uh, goals 
different business goals, different business models behind making beer. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having, you know, a cluster of small breweries serving a small area. Um, there's, you know, there's room for everybody. Nobody's going to stop drinking beer. Sure. Now, when you, uh, when you say uh, it's partially because of, like, the definition of a brewery, do you think that um, this is in any way like a false number or a falsely inflated number? Or do you think this is legit that there are, you know? Well, uh, it, you know, if you're making beer and you have a license, you're a brewery. And, mm-hmm. you know, back when we started up, you were either a production microbrewery or you were a brew pub, uh, you know, and now that's changed with nanos and, you know, things like that. Um, so, no, I don't think it's falsely inflated at all. I think it's just different. It's just sign of a living, breathing part of our economy um, and what people are interested in doing in their communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So it seems to me that I'd be curious to see where these numbers, where the growth is happening. Is it happening in metro areas? Is it happening in rural areas? Is it happening equally everywhere? Um, um, I don't know. Just kind of curious. I mean, do you think now that we're anywhere near a peak? Do you think that there's that it's going to continue to grow? I mean, it's been 20%, 20%, 20%. Three or four years ago, when we were in the 2000s, I mean, I, I, I knew for sure we were going to surpass you know, the previous number, 4,000 plus, without a doubt. And I thought there would even be more room than that. I would imagine probably around 6,000 is probably going to be the peak. And you're, you're going to start seeing drop-off, as we'll probably talk about later on in the episode or whatever. But And that, that, that needs to happen. I mean, people need to see that they're failing. If all you see is success well, right. and, and growth, like famously... There was like the number of breweries in the United States in 1874. You're close, close enough. Yeah. Well, what, what, was, what was the population in 1874? Well, yeah, it's really right. smaller. True. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, if, if, if it's really a, a movement and, and that was an actual indicator of the sustainable amount of breweries per capita then but but you also couldn't you couldn't ship your beer as well as you can now you couldn't you know refrigerate it as well as you can now and you, i mean you can't ball it and keep it clean and as sanitized as you could i mean you couldn't do it then as you can now so you had to have places close to your your residence to get the freshest and the best beer like you couldn't I mean, try shipping a beer from California in the late 1800s to New York and drinking it then. So in that aspect, I thought that the amount of breweries couldn't get, you know, 8,000, 10,000, just because the beers are going to start becoming the same. I mean, how many different ways can you make? How how can 8,000 breweries make different beers? 8,000 ways. (laughs) It does does come down to that local, you know, the, the local brewery and like and that's that's going to be the driving force on where the breweries kind of fall into play on the, I, on the market I couldn't agree more I think for, for several reasons one is because while yes uh, we can ship beer further now we can keep it cold and, and keep it more stable but still fresh beer tastes mm-hmm. better no matter what and that is always going to be an advantage to the local provider who can get it in people's glasses faster which i think is what you were yeah so saying. Well, let's just take a, a different direction let's say if like a sierra nevada or a lagunitas just stopped stopped brewing just seized sold whatever something yeah. happened they shut down how much room does that leave for new breweries to come in and fill that void or point being is that they're able to get their beer out there and it's fresh and people try it and it's relatively you know new 
Sure. So if they if that if they went away, I mean, how much room does that leave open for new breweries to come in, and how much right. more room is out there now for for breweries to come in, and how much is left? But, but it's not even that. They don't even have to stop making it. It could also be that there's um, room. I think there's so much uh, open field running, as uh, again Tony McGee has stated that you know the big guys like Sierra are going after. They're taking beer. They're taking um, uh, shares from a certain segment. And then you guys or the smaller guys are taking, you know, the share from the Sierra from their market. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of this progression. I think that's where it could be going. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to have a vacuum to fill necessarily. I think there's probably more beer drinkers now than there were in 1873. Um, and yeah, I mean, pro- maybe, probably uh, maybe. women, yeah. for example. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, so I think there's still a, a ton of room, but at the same point, uh, at the, at, and also making your point, even if these guys do get big, there's only so many, I know people probably don't want to hear this, but there's only so many unique of any style that you can make. I mean, they might have slight differences, but is it worth trying this new brewery from 850 miles away that tastes almost exactly like Flywheel, except this is a little different. Or, you know, it's 90% the same, and then there's 10% different. Not better or worse, just different. Well, you've, you've, you've just defined a problem that you're looking for the answer to. That's, that's ridiculous. Why wouldn't I be the person who wants to try the Flywheel plus organ or the Flywheel plus hops from right oh my gosh these were hops we managed to grow in in saudi arabia wow who uh-huh. thought yes tracy has them let's put them together but you'll try it but then what are the chances of you continuously buying it you know i mean right now everyone's the small guys really uber small are doing okay because there's a lot of people that want to try new things and so they're having some success with that and they're and they're I feel like they're mistaking that those sales as like, hey, we've got something here, let's ramp up. You know, there's a level that you get to where you've got to start being able to get repeat buys on the stuff that you're putting yeah, out that, there. That is an incredibly important point. It's what what are we creating? Are we creating right. a, a, a what is this market? Is it a market that continually grows and tries new things, or is it a market where we are merely captivating the guy who used to sit on his lady who used to sit on her sofa and and have Miller Lite every night, and now Both. all of a sudden we right. think we're going to sell her or Sierra? No, the idea is to convert her to someone yep. who who tries twenty different things. 20 different days and, and give it a shot. But I don't think you're ever going to get it's it's some people don't want to do that. I mean, sure. when I go home, I want to sometimes experiment. Absolutely. But some and you're talking about a guy who used to like, you but know, know that you're making 1, the conscious choice. Understand 100% you're making that conscious choice. You have decided I know I could have something different every sure. night. I know what that experience is, and now what I want is to to do it. But there are guys who are Miller Lite guys, and if you bring Bud Light over to their house, they won't drink it. Well, maybe there's you're, absolutely you're, nothing you're, to drink. What you're talking about is manifesting a revolutionary consciousness. You you are you are in essence creating <laughs> Spill something. That. Embrace the struggle. Come on, creating something. Uh, we're yeah. also talking about something you can talk analogy. An analogy would be food. How many taquerias can you have? How many burger places can you have? Um, you know, as things focus more on local and smaller people are opening up, this is Midwestern beer. This is West Coast beer. This is East Coast beer. Just like, you know, um, you know. so then you take that analogy further and say, 
okay, there are people who exclusively eat Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get them to a local small taqueria and see what they think about that and try to grow your market by by capturing yeah. that. Well, that's group. an interesting and concept. And Taco Bell had to do like three different kinds of sauces but, or five different kinds right. of sauces. Right, but that's an that's interesting really concept. Right. So, But like with taquerias or with food, I mean, one, breweries, breweries could be looked at as um, like chains. So you can't have a million different tacos taco chains you can't have a million different taco bells and taquerias are all tiny so they're just getting more and more and more focused because now you don't have to go across town Mm -hmm. to get a taco you just have to go across the street and now you don't even have to go across the street because there's one on your side of the street so they're just like i don't know probably more people also trying tacos but it's also getting highly highly local and that little place can't necessarily easily break out uh, the other thing is in a supermarket, think about it this way. Like how many different people talk about they come to America and there's so many different choices. Like you have 15 different types of soap detergent. I mean, beer has to be beyond all of that. So think about it with hot sauces from anywhere or I mean, there's not that much choice available Anywhere, I mean, there's only so much space that you can have. There's only so many tap handles. Only so much shelf space. The sets, you know, you can only pay for so much space uh, to uh, to have. So, I mean, that that also has to come down to it as well. I mean, you can't just keep opening, 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 opening. You have to sell the beer. I mean, yeah, you can open up at a brewery, but you have to also sell the damn stuff mm-hmm. you're making. Uh, when we started up seven years ago, that was something we realized right away. When you open a brewery, you're opening a beer selling business. So you have to have an eye toward what you're going to be able to move, what your goals are, what your numbers are, what you need to survive. Um, and one thing we're not talking about in this conversation yet is uh, that it's good. Um, it's really easy to open up and make shitty beer. Anyone can do that. Sure. But as people get smarter and more savvy about beer and can recognize when something is well-made, when it's stable, um, when it's reliable, I think that might be a filter that we begin seeing. Because, you know, just because something's new doesn't mean that it's good. Right. So I think we potentially are there now in Chicago. I mean, do you Mm -hmm. think Chicago needs any more breweries here? I think, I think there's room. I think we're number one in distribution nationally right now, right? I mean, Chicago has more breweries distributed here than uh, it used to be Philadelphia for like ever. I'm a little sad that my hometown has dropped to number two, <laughs> but I mean, Chicago, the distribution here is absolutely insane. I mean, do you really think that there needs to be another? I mean, there sure, certainly could be, but it's just going to be taking away from someone else. I mean, actually, do you think if another great brewery showed up in Chicago that you would be increasing the pie or would you just be taking a bigger slice at someone else's expense? It's economics. You're always going to be increasing the pie and taking a bigger slice. You do both. Duh. Either way. Well, school me. School me. School me. Absolutely. Every new addition to the market usually, and in in this case, normally does increase the, the amount of drinkers and it also... Takes, uh, Let me school you in podcast. How does it? How does Speak it in- into the damn <laughs> microphone, my friend? How does a new brewery increase the amount of beer drinkers? 
just about every time that but that, how does that happen? that new brewery will be on a corner somewhere and individuals around that brewery and this is just this is just those stories right it's like oh well yeah, some creature that had sharper claws came by and killed the one that had duller claws <laughs> and, and they evolved faster so the just so story is that the new brewery opens up on a corner the people around that corner mm-hmm. who had no interest in the shit before all of a sudden say hey there's this thing on the corner let's go take a look at it mm-hmm. oh well I'll, I'll put my my whatever I was drinking before aside be it wine be it liquor be something else and I will go try this now or I'll be a part of that community I will I will try it especially mm-hmm. if that individual isn't just someone who came and found a an industrial space and decided to build there but thought I'll be part of this community don't forget that the macros still hold a vast majority of the market they, these are a lot of people who, I, you know, I love doing Harley rallies. First of all, because I love motorcycles. But I love going to Harley rallies and handing them a beer. And they're all standing there drinking macro. And I say, hey, you want to try an American-made beer? And they look at me and they, and I, they can't parse it out until I explain what's happening. Mm-hmm. I've turned people on just with that. There's plenty of room to get people drinking better beer, locally-made beer. That's, but that's conversion. That's I'm I'm just saying. Do we need more craft breweries now? I mean, just because more is, is is better. I don't have an answer. I'm not. No, sure. I mean, there's no right. Or, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, it's all whatever. Yeah, you've read that tone. I mean, the, the millennials. Dude, I like <laughs> whatever. Man. The millennials that are still coming of age. The millennials are still the largest population in this country to date. And they're still reaching drinking age. So just by virtue of having more people drinking beer, being legal to drink beer, we sure. are growing the market that way, too. Sure. I mean, there are, there's always going to be change. There's always going to be new. There's always going to be people coming and going. But, I mean, I have probably easily right now a thousand SKUs, a SKU being a different you know label, let's call it, of beer. And most of them are not repeat. Do you think that that's not enough, that you need to have more? Or maybe if there's so many people that... You know, it could be a demand thing that you, there's just so much. There's a, a different reality here that that seems odd inside a major metropolitan area. I just went home to mm-hmm. my my lovely birthing town of Port Byron, Illinois. It's an interesting way of saying hometown. Yeah. <laughs> my lovely birthing town. It is. It, it, is it is an amazing space, and I recommend it to everyone. But. Uh, while I, great. While yeah. I was there, I mean, the, sounds uh, like a great place to, yeah, for birthing. Yes, by all means. <laughs> Come, give birth. The, uh, it worked for you. Maybe stay there for 17 years. Uh, my choice in beer at the high school reunion, which was my 20th. Mm-hmm. Sam Adams, Budweiser, Miller, uh, and what they thought was different by Lion and Cools. That was it. <laughs> right, right, so right. This, right. this <laughs> space has not evolved beyond those things. Sam Adams was the, the premier beer. It cost me... It cost me a whopping, I think, four seventy-five to buy that bottle of Sam Adams versus the, you know, the three twenty-five for the the Budweiser. Well, that's what makes beer so great is you can trade up mm-hmm. for so relatively cheap. And say what you will about Sam Adams, I mean, I will certainly take that over a Budweiser. Anyway. So there were markets, and there are markets that have even yet. But to you, explore. you absolutely, you have to know that you're trading up though as well. I mean, the same thing I touched on the last time I was here, and if I come back again, I'll touch on it. We've got to get more people drinking beer. I mean, we, you know, we, we nitpick this and that. Why are they doing that? Why are they doing this? And this is going to hurt this and hurt that. We get more people drinking beer, it's going to be better for everybody in the, in the long run. You know, right. 
I mean, obviously, we're never going to get to 100%, but, I mean, what are we, we're teetering on 20, you know, like, we can go a lot higher than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't even, I mean, I've, I've been married for five years, and my, you know, when I met my wife, you know, she's a Bud Light drinker, and, you know, now she sends me pictures of, you know, uh, a beer and then the proper glassware and with the dinner, and it's all laid out, you know, and she's like, check it out, you know, and it's like, was, you know, a few years, you know, it's just... And, and three uh, kids later. Yeah, three kids later. It's, <laughs> been, a, it's of, been a busy few years. The look of love in, in Brian's yeah. eyes as he uh, just recalled right. that. Yeah. I, made it. Oh, I, I remember dinner when that glassware stayed on the table. for. I th- okay, <laughs> just last statement on it, I guess, is just uh-huh. we, we need to put our energies into getting more people to drink beer. And if they are drinking beer, we got to get them drinking better beer. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't have a, a set game plan on how we get that done. But, you know, like getting back to the Kroger thing with them just kind of laying down and letting southern wine handle that it's like why don't you just take a little different just a, t- a small little tweak and you put someone in there like tracy was saying where you have someone that is in charge of the liquor department you know that can correlate you know local and stuff like that and they would uh, that would do so much more for them not not only like for profits but for branding and you know their their mm-hmm. position in the market and i think it just goes even it, it's the same level at where ab InBev, sab miller are, are at where they're just just so big and so, in my mind, so detached from what what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're building that they just they can't see the forest through the trees if that's the right saying you know mm-hmm. so it's so I mean at the end of the day let them let them do that thing it's just going to push them further away from what it is that we're doing and we'll we'll we'll, we'll do our thing and we'll grow it our way and either on our team or you or you're not but we, we got to get more people drinking beer and yeah so let me uh, kind of the flip side of this is. Um, so Pretty Things Ale Project mm-hmm. recently closed, and then just a couple days ago, Magnolia Brewing in San Francisco uh, mentioned that they were filing for Chapter 11. This is something that we, that a lot of people have said is, is going to happen. I think it was famously posted on some uh, investment, I don't know where, but some investors were saying that craft beer has a 0% failure rate and stuff like that, and kind of people in the industry were like, well, who the hell are you talking to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think this is something that we're going to see, but certainly for me, Pretty Things, uh, which Tracy, you said you weren't familiar with them, but but it was one that I remembered from kind of long ago. They were one of the first, If I think now they would be called kind of like rustic breweries, these rustic saison breweries. Uh, and uh, yeah, they went under. They were mainly like 750, 22-ounce format. Um, people seemed to love their beer but I guess it just something wasn't working for them um, now is this something that we're going to be seeing more of you know is more open or more going to close as well I, th- I think you'll see a lot more of it and, the, and I hate for it to happen but it needs to happen I mean you have to have a life and death I mean you've got to you can't just say that hey I've been making good homebrew and my friends and family and my neighbors think it's great and, and I'm, you know I've, I've raised capital and we're going to start a brewery and we're going to go for it I mean, if you want to, if you want to do a thousand barrels a year, and that's all you ever want to be, and you're going to sell it locally, you can probably get away with, and do that. But mm-hmm. if you think that you're going to be a major regional player from from that little business plan, from what you've been able to do with your neighbors, like, sure, there's there's no way, you know. So you have to have an eye toward longevity, longevity, longevity. <laughs> yeah. Saying that right, um, you have. I mean, it's a business. You have to have something that's sustainable. You have to get better at it. You have to continue to appeal to people. And oh, it actually looks really beer. different. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
And it, ha- it has to be good. You have to keep innovating. You have to be, you have to have an eye toward business. This isn't, you know, with little breweries opening up and just making willy nilly whatever they want, you're not taking it very seriously when this is serious business. If this is what you want to do with your life and you want to make a name for yourself and you want to be part of the community, you have to have an eye toward business. And if you're, you know, you're not paying attention to trends, you're not paying attention to your SOP, you should close, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you have to you have to be sharp. You have to be smart. You have to build a good team. There are all these things that come together to having a healthy business, mm-hmm. and that's true for any business, not just beer. Um, I see you talk about that a lot. I mean, it's obviously something you're very passionate about. Is about mm-hmm. you know, yes, we make beer, but we have to make sure that we're kind of set up to continue doing this mm-hmm. and figure out where this beer is going to go. I've said it many times before that I think all of us are in the same boat. You know. People are saying you're in the beer business, and and more so for the suppliers, this is true, but we're all in the beer selling business, Mm -hmm. because you got to sell it in order to make more, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it's true, and and, and that's very important to have stuff kind of in place. You have people working for you, you have mouths to feed, you know, you have bars that rely on you. You know, when I go into a bar and I sell beer, I promise them, every time you pull open that tap handle, you know what you're getting. You know, I take that very seriously, and I take the business side of it very seriously, and I think it pays respect to what I do. Explain what you mean by you know what you're getting when you open that Consistency. Consistency, quality, reliability. Um, And I think, you know, maybe that's not true for some of the people only doing a 1,000 barrels a year or whatever it is. I mean, maybe you can be a little more wild, willy-nilly. We used to say that actually seven years ago about brew pubs. That you can have a brew pub and you can pretty much do anything you want. You know, you fuck up a batch, you can yeah. call it a sour and yeah. sell it. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, we dedicated ourselves as a production microbrewery to promising bars that if you're making money on our beer, you're going to keep making money right. on our beer. Right. Um, and I think that that to me isn't sure. being, you know, a dirty capitalist. That's being respectful to what we do. No, yeah, not at all. And I, I agree with you, Brian. I think there does need to be some culling uh of of what's out there as well um i think there is and i don't think it's good for craft beer to have everyone succeed because there's a lot of bad beer out there and i think that imagine more people drinking beer imagine if they start picking up that beer and it's like well and they think that's the right stuff right and i well i was right to never try this stuff Mm -hmm. you know or imagine if it's you know year old ipa from you know some some brewery at a store where nobody knows any better. Mm-hmm. But know? I mean, I, I picked up Sierra Nevada in the late late nineties, and I thought that was terrible. You know. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, but it all came down to time. It Maybe came down to education. 90s, so we've, 90s. I mean, obviously, then that's what we've got to work with. We have got to work with time. And we've got to work with education. We got to let people know, like, why they shouldn't go mm-hmm. do the AB and Bev thing if they believe in local community and supporting local and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you want to just spend. $15 and get a 30 pack of beer and not think about what you're doing and just hammer down, then that's fine. That's your, your God given right. Sure. You know, go rock and roll on that. But with as many people that are out there drinking spirits and drinking wine and just, you know, it's not just that it's this craft beer movement. I mean, it's a much larger piece, obviously. I mean, you know, you've seen craft wine, you've seen craft spirits, you've seen farm to table, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of talk about GMOs and the way things are labeled you know, it comes down to a much larger thing. You know, it's it's the it's the small guy versus the big guy, David versus Goliath. And so, you know, we've you've got to be able to present that situation on like why 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 we're doing what we're doing, 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's people out there that just want to try new stuff. You know, we got to be able sure. to put them out there. And like, hey, don't don't worry that you don't know the difference between an ale and uh, and a lager. You know, like don't like I tell people all the time, and they're like, oh, you know, I don't like dark beers. It's like, I don't care. Like, just try it. You mm-hmm. know, like just tell me if you can taste coffee. Tell me if you can taste roast and all that stuff. And that's yeah. Like, We've got to do so much more of that. We just we're we're failing horribly as a craft beer industry. You think? I think so. At least failing I failing horribly. I, I was going to say, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, how many people have we gotten in front of in this last week that have never drank beer, or the beer that they're drinking is, is they've only drank one or two beers in their entire life, and stuff like that, where they're very just pigeonholed. Like, I mean, we talk about this grocery store business that you know, it's like it's a big deal, but. How many people that go through a grocery store even go through that beer section? You know, you have 80, 90% of that store where people are just going there and getting groceries and stuff yeah. like that. They aren't even picking up, picking up beer products. So you know like, who you need, you remind me of, of, of what you're aspiring to, it sounds like, is that preacher who stands out in front of Old Navy that doesn't on sound State good. Street. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> talking about and just like everybody comes by and yeah, that doesn't sound. Um, I think one thing that's important to realize and understand is... There's been a lot of talk about how bad beer is going to go away and, you know, we have to, I said, do some culling. And I meant kind of from a a quality standpoint. Mm -hmm. But with pretty things, I mean, there was, to me, really never a quality issue. And the reality is some good beer is going to go away in in the process as well. People who make good beer are going to go out of business. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. And some of it's because they're going to have bad, there's going to be, Every reason in the book that that's going to happen. They could make a business mistake. They could decide they don't want to do it anymore. They Open decide, up in the wrong area. Yeah, bad demographics. There's lots of things Get that come together. Get pushed out of a major chain. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, but for real. I mean, it could be It could be anything in the world. Now, Edmar walked into the studio. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? I mean, you picked up and put on headphones and looked like you were going to start walking. Okay, you're just you're just a, a wallflower, fly on the wall, something. He's okay, so much no. more than a wallflower. Yeah, it's fine. Did you guys uh, see that Brewbound article about uh, dogfish not getting double-digit growth this past year? No. Negative. What? Yeah, this is the first year they only had single-digit growth, and I was like, wow. And he blamed it for not discounting his beer pricing and probably being in most of the markets that are throughout the U.S. So that was an interesting piece that I just read a couple hours ago. Hmm. Well, that – I haven't read that one. Um it's interesting. I mean, that's what, like, man, I feel like Tony keeps coming up, but he talked about, you know, this, he wrote about this exponential growth is easy when you're tiny, but it becomes impossible. So, I mean, look at, uh, boy, I can't believe I'm about to pull this out, but like people are freaking out that like China's economy isn't at like double digit growth, I think is what they're talking about, you know? And it's because when you get huge, it, relative, it, it's not possible to do anymore. Do you think that does that mean that that Dogfish Head is in trouble? They also just took on fifteen percent, I think, investment uh, from outside investments, some sort of investment firm uh, this year as well. Uh, I got a, a raised eyebrow, probably from a wrong use of, of terminology from investment from Mister Brandt there, uh, Esquire. Um, but I don't know. I mean. This dogfish had got anything to worry about? I mean, obviously, we don't actually know. Sure. The case. I mean, I think when you position yourself as off-centered 
fails for off-centered people, you're ultimately limiting yourself to a certain amount of the... I mean, these people but, are unstable. Who trusts them? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're limiting... You're they limiting. spent their money on fish. Sure. like, oh, gosh, I bought fish, but I, I thought it'd get me drunk. Thanks for bringing the oh, gravity. Yeah. <laughs> you're limiting yourself to the uh, certain percentage of the population that's out there drinking craft beer. I mean, not everyone's going to go that risque on, on, on their brands and have sure. the money to spend on, you know, 750s and stuff like that. Mm. So I think that he's limiting himself within that, but the same way that Tracy is essentially, quote-unquote, limiting herself within doing loggers, over time that becomes what they build themselves on and right. that becomes Actually, their growth and their... it's interesting you say that because we very purposefully positioned ourselves making beer that people have been drinking for centuries. I mean, we're considered innovators because we do lagers and it's unique, but these are beers that were made before right. just about any other beer. These are beers that reliably have been making people happy, and we did that very much on purpose. Um, that's awesome. That's, that's super smart. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you could go back into history and you just repeat that, and your, mm-hmm. your chances for success are that much greater. We've always had an eye toward longevity and um, you know keeping our business successful and being able to pass our business on to our employees or whatever and becoming an establishment in the Midwest and to us the best way to do that was to make beer that people are essentially familiar with mm-hmm. and that people like that pair well with food and so on it's funny it's almost diametrically opposed to what yep. dogfish head does it, I mean exactly and, and so now they opened in, I think, 95 or something like that, maybe 96. And for this to be the first year that they're not getting double-digit growth is sounds pr- still pretty pretty solid. It's all in hell. You look at the numbers, too. Yeah. I mean, there, there could have been, like, one beer that they didn't release that they released last year, too. I mean, there's a lot. Of, they could have released, uh, you know, less expensive beers. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different ways of looking at the data and manipulating the data. You know, also, do I feel, your, do I I mean, feel like dogfish pro- is going away? No. It could no. also be a fickle, fickle audience. I mean, yeah. I've, I mentioned it before. Uh, someone's, I mean, a synonym for no is I've had it maybe in my store, and I hate that. You know? Oh, 60 side. Minute had it. I'm looking for a nice, balanced pale ale. What about 60 Minute had it? Did you <laughs> like it? But you're looking for that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> But that's the other thing is like that's why they want these people almost want new breweries coming up all the time. That's where you should just have a rebrand all the time, you know, just like <laughs> change your beers every sixty one minutes, minutes. That's a tough thing too, and that's three minutes. That's a tough thing. That's a topic for, definitely for another segment or whatever. But it is, you know, how do you how do you keep things fresh, but at the same time maintain those flagships and those staples mm-hmm. that you can count on that volume month after month, year after year, um, you know. At, it's also it's what rough, your priority. I, it, it's what tough. your priority is too. I mean, there are a lot of businesses out there that a single digit growth is still good, and if you can pay your bills and you can pay your people and you can keep going, you know, I mean, what's your goal? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want double digit growth over single digit growth? Of course you do, but you know what? Maybe sometimes that doesn't happen. Can you get through the year? Can you do the job you set yourself up to do? Well, then try something new next year, or mm-hmm. you know, try a new. I don't know. Business is a living, breathing entity. And paying attention to what people are doing, yet keeping the undercurrent of what you're trying to do, you know, that that's something that we think about a lot. There's a certain philosophy that we have. There's a certain goal we have. And we're willing to work within those parameters and mm-hmm. bounce around based on what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You, you talked about earlier consistency. Uh, 
and it seems like in s- at some point people want consistency every time they pull mm-hmm. that tap they want it to be the same but at the same time there's a consumers who are enamored with craft don't want consistency they want it to be they want it to be the first time they've ever had a beer every time they put something to their lips at the same time, which I think is what you were essentially saying, Brian, is is how do we keep these flagships moving but also keep interest and keep people kind of going mm-hmm. going towards it. Now, I mean, and why don't these people want to just keep drinking this forever? Is it because there's so many options or is it because it's just like a one and done? I was just interested in it. I just wanted to see what it tastes like and then move on. And the stuff that I really want... I can never get because everyone else wants it, you know, kind of the zombie dust syndrome type thing. Uh, that's also, I mean, I don't have hard numbers to back this up, but that's not the biggest. Those are my favorite numbers. <laughs> uh, my favorite t- things with, with just hard, yeah. hot takes. Uh, the fickle demographic is not your largest demographic. Mm-hmm. Think about the p- largest demographic of people drinking beer. They are people who are brand loyal. So... Yeah, you want the beer advocate folks to be talking about you. You want to keep mindshare. But at the end of the day, what is the biggest demographic you're going after? Mm-hmm. What is the most reliable income source for you? It's not the people who are going into your shop and saying, I've had it. I would love to get the numbers behind that. Like how brand loyal loyal are craft beer drinkers? Because I'll tell you in my shop... That's not the. I mean, uh, it's hard to say, but well, I, I don't think You just said yourself, your shop is very. Yeah, unique. I feel right. like you're the That's epitome what, right. of like yeah. repeat buys. <clears throat> I mean, I could be way wrong. But right. I feel like the demographic that you cater to, it's it's. Right, but the, you know, the you goal have, is you have, to be the repeat at the shop, not the repeat of the beer. Right. Well, I mean, I you, don't know what the goal is, man. Come on. I don't know. Based on the sales of Mars Brews over at the <laughs> Temple. <laughs> You've got some pretty Double repeat digit. customers, a bunch of repeat cholos there, and we thank them. Cholos? <laughs> yeah, man. Cholo yeah, isn't cholo. as bad as you think it is. No, it means friend. Yep. Pal. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Ed. We'll see you guys in a few minutes with more of the Insiders Roundtable. Welcome back to the Beer Temple Insiders Roundtable. I'm your host, Chris Quinn, joined by Ashley Brandt, Tracy Hurst, and Brian Kirby. Thanks, guys, for sticking around and not joining the party. So, so it's a pretty. So, you guys have heard, and maybe we're paying more attention to it than than we were. But apparently, it's it's pretty crazy out there. There's uh, urinating into trash cans. There's vomiting on floors, and then people. Slipping in the vomit on their way to the bathrooms. Uh, it, it was just is, us during the break. I think it is what you would call a shit show out there. <laughs> so I'm curious what's going to happen once I. I kind of walked in and was like, "What's going on?" I'm going to immediately into Studio B and see see what's what. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> keeping it classy here at the Cobra Spready Sphere. I love it. Um, so let's do a quick uh, letter. Um, for everyone out there, if you have any comments or anything you want us to talk about, we already uh, had um, you know Jack's uh, letter about the Brewers Association and Kroger's and the, the Planogram stuff. Um, but here's one that came uh, a while back from uh, Steve Papalardo, and uh, he wrote 
Uh, dear Christopher, first off, I love the show, and it really does give us an inside look into the beer industry. Keep up the good work. I thought I would write you about some comments made on episode 19. I thought Pat and Tracy's comments regarding Kickstarter fund and brewery seemed bitter. Uh, like a lovely West Coast IPA. Broken Skull IPA comes to mind. Actually, I haven't even tried that one yet, but El Segundo is a well-respected brewery in SoCal, and they make truly uh, great IPAs. You guys kind of talked about them like they were a joke, which is far from the truth. Um, and I, I will take a break here. That That is mainly on me. I did not uh, look into it. This is the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin collaboration IPA, and um, we... We talked about it briefly on the show, and uh, I did not do my um, much research other than just to look at the what was happening with that. Uh, I, I don't know too much about El Segundo. Anyway, uh, well, he says, anyways, back to my Kickstarter rebuttal. I think it was a little one-sided of them to think that you can't take a Kickstarter-funded brewery seriously. Modern Times in San Diego is a perfect example of a very good brewery with quality beer that started from Kickstarter. The founder, Jacob McKean, actually worked for Stone and had Greg Cox cook's blessing to start his own brewery now just because he got money from kickstarter doesn't mean he doesn't have other money saved up elsewhere or other real world contributions plus the people that donated larger sums on kickstarter would also hold him accountable uh sorry i'm already commenting like the people that donated to tracy to start metropolitan brewing i would rather my brewery be funded by passionate beer geeks and a bank but hey that's just me as long as the beer is good does it matter where they were funded? Well, that that's my rant. Hold on. Well, that's my rant. <laughs> really enjoyed listening to the conversations and would love to try some of the regional beers you guys talk about someday. Cheers so, from SoCal, Steve Papalardo. And I will say, this is a, a holdover letter from me? several like, weeks ago, and you just happened to be on, but it couldn't have worked out perfectly. Uh, first of all, thanks for the letter, Steve. And for anyone else, it's insiders at craftbeertemple.com. Oh now go. Don't go. be condescending on it. Like, just know that he doesn't know like where we're coming from from that perspective. So you have to sell him on. Thank you. Our perspective. Thank you. I got some feedback about some condescension. Been from married for almost five years. I'm learning the whole gift from Mr. Brandt. Who's, who's condescending? I have <laughs> yeah. no idea what that yeah, means. Exactly. There's, there's not a an, an iota or a drop of condescending in my mouth. But I, I assume he works for GoFundMe, and he just he's <laughs> mad about Kickstarter. Oh. <laughs> We're totally different over here. Because I, I I didn't hear him say anything about you know any other. Well, I think the, the, the big was, he said Kickstarter because that was what the topic was. Him. I mean that's it was basically Don't about that, that 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 the crowdfunding aspect of it, not Kickstarter right, per se. Because somebody reached out and got a little bit of money that uh, that other people decided that they would sponsor help. Well, out does, it matter? does it matter? Absolutely. Does it matter where you one bit? All right, what you take? There are a thousand different businesses out there that use these services to try and get off the ground. They have ideas. These are people who don't have access to the kind of funds that uh, billionaire bankers do. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you know what? I took 40,000 bucks and I decided to start my robot uh, cleaning uh, company, and my Mm -hmm. robots now sponsor. And clean houses across clean the country. Clean vomit that people yeah. are slipping by, on. by all means, everything about it. But it's it's a, a facile argument. It's not even an argument. Oh, oh my goodness! I'm so sorry that the first forty thousand dollars that people got were from Kickstarter. No, Give me a break. I think you're going backwards. I think that letter was saying that Tracy said that Kickstarter was bad. And that why 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 knock oh yeah breweries, Tracy's the bad why, one here. No, it was right. why why knock breweries <laughs> for using Kickstarter the and not one. initial bank investors because 
they would rather have people that are interested in their brewery give them money than a bank. Mm-hmm. So that's the position that that guy was taking. Sure. Wait, what? So, the, somehow. <laughs> yeah, you took it backwards, I think. Free money is not good? No, free money is great for the for the person getting the free money, right? right. What's, rewind, rewind. It was he was re, 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 he was rebutting against yeah Tracy yeah. saying that Brian she wasn't it. a fan of Kickstarter. He's got it. Yeah, really. Yeah, he read that letter to me again. How about the letter? Hold on, no. right, we got the no. source right here. Yeah, I was gonna say I Tracy, go, you, I mean, I'm the only Tracy, person who hasn't spoken yet. Right, right. No, right. So I let, realized, let her yeah. let her speak her position on the matter, and then Ashley can rebut against it. And, Whatever. That'd be fun. Whatever the position is, I will rip out against it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Condescending. Don't worry. Well, first of all, I've got nothing to be bitter about. I have a brewery. <laughs> so, um, definitely not bitter. Uh, no, I think our point, Pat and I both made the point that yeah. um, when you start, and actually, to be clear, my investors are passionate beer people. Um I have, a hand, I have about a dozen investors in my brewery, and I also work with banks. And our point was that with crowdfunding, you have a lot of people to answer to. Whereas when you work with a bank, you have a business partner who has, your, has the same interests that you do mm-hmm. and knows something about running a business. There are a lot of times that, you know, I have a, a team of people, attorneys, accountants, my bankers that know about running a business. And when I have a question about running business, I have resources that I can use. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also bankers don't want anything except their money back. Sure. So I'm not beholden to hundreds of people because I, I'm working with a team of people with the same good and bad, you know, right. And you know, Business is a complicated thing, and there are a lot of things that go into it, a lot of metrics and a lot of things that I still don't even understand. And when I don't understand something, I have someone I can call to help me understand it. And when you're working with crowdfunding, you may not have those resources. Um, Also, I'm not the first person, and I know there are people right here in this room that use Kickstarter, and that... that's great. However you get started is great. But for me, for the, in the terms of the team I was trying to build, that type of thing wasn't going to work. Right. Um, and I, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me more like um, there's questions about um, almost like a vetting process. Yeah. You know? Oh, when yes. it's With Kickstarter, it's not that it necessarily is bad, but... Okay, who looked at? Well, you were talking about business plans, and mm-hmm. and you know, did you know anything about it other than uh, I've got a a lot of Twitter followers? And I mean, if you think about it that way, whoever's got a ton of Twitter followers could get a huge Kickstarter. And there's people who've p- taken people for well, rides even if on, you make a cool on yeah. Kickstarter. If you make a cool video, and you can get you know tens of thousand dollars. Right. right. I mean, I wrote. I've written. Now, for my brewery, three different business plans. And I wrote business plans before that. Mm-hmm. And even someone with my background, and I, I studied entrepreneurship in college. Mm-hmm. So even with my background, there are things that I need help with. And in order to make your business succeed long term, you need a team of people to refer to. So I'm remaking my point from earlier. No, Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's so it, it, I guess it's not necessarily... 
a good or bad thing, but it kind of throws some questions into the air. And I'll, I'll say this for me. If I hear someone is, is Kickstarter funded, I am like, okay, I mean, let's, let's see what you got then. Uh, versus, um, you know, if it's somebody who, and this is just natural prejudice. There's, so uh, Silva, I forget his first name, from Green Flash, broke off from Green Flash, and longtime head brewer there, is going to make his own brewery. Now, if I had that or, hey, I'm funded on Kickstarter, who am I going to, mm-hmm. you know, put my backing behind blind? Yeah. Now, we've had, and I'll say uh, just flat out, we've had a bunch of people. And uh, no, I will say there's somebody from Pipeworks here in the room right now who's going to remain <laughs> anonymous. Uh, but we've had a bunch of Pipeworks people. Mm-hmm. No, we've had a bunch of Pipeworks people on in the past, and we've talked about Kickstarter and them in the past. And they're kind of, in a, in a way, an interesting. Uh, they're interesting because they were the first, mm-hmm. you know, second. Okay, so um, one of the first. So I think that's also um, now. It almost seems like Kickstarter is a way for the hmm, the stereotype. Or the fear that I have and the, and, and the prejudice that I have when I look at it is it is now a way for the lazy to get what they want and not kind of putting in the, what was, I want to see what, yeah, no, so I, there's a, I'm telling you, that's my prejudice when I see it now. Because it's like, okay, there's money out there for, for breweries. For example, uh, you know, Pipeworks went through more conventional routes for their expansion, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, Ashley... I, I'm genuinely interested now. So you you gave you wrinkled your face like I'm, why? I'm wrinkling my face in, entirely at that, that yeah, whole yeah, comment. Why? That service hasn't changed. Kickstarter hasn't changed. GoFundMe hasn't changed. The no, idea, no, it hasn't. The, the, the idea of these places and these websites that allow for crowdfunding sourcing, not for equity value, because mm-hmm. that's a new thing that's about to happen that is going to blow the. It's going to blow the lid off. Well, that's why I think people's do. issue too is that you're getting it without equity. Well, equity value. It, but you're, you're normally you're offered a T-shirt, you're offered some kind of a which you, you know, really a, get a bottle opener, something yeah. something fun. Uh, I have uh, cash or like some sort of a thing with Garrett's picture on it that is amazing, and I, I will never trade it in for anything. But it's, it's some kind of free free why, dollar which, value that that, right. that is wonderful. No, but get those back were to your the things that back then that. Yeah. These websites were created for. They are there to offer you the kind of money you're talking about in a way that lets you, we believe in you as a public. We offer you this as a, a fund, as mm-hmm. a tribute. Absolutely. We are giving you this style, uh, this, this kind of cash to help you get off the ground. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. I'm just telling so, you the prejudice so the, the, that I have. The, the, the idea that, that everybody I, went through it. I think it, it has changed. And has done it. Yeah, sure, everybody does it now because it worked once. Right. I, I make a logger now because it worked once. I, it's, not, it's, not the, it's not the crowdfunding that's inherently the problem. It's when you're relying on that to be the source of your income to get what you're trying to do off the ground is where it's the inherent problem. Yeah. If I don't you, think if, I mean, if you can is get, a problem. Can, I think it's wonderful for certain things. I think yeah. it's great. I mean, we. I haven't taken any bank loans. I used all my 401k, all the savings. I mean, I've, I've robbed everything to mm-hmm. do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to need to get money from a bank or from some other source as we continue to grow to sure. get to where we want to get to. But the point is, is it's what's what's the purpose behind you using crowdfunding? Like, what what's your reasoning behind I it? Think is it, also is it, is it a small abused. piece? Is it, yeah. is it supplementing 
you know, you're stone. Over, we, we have a great idea. We, we, we can't get regular funding. We're going to go to right. this place to get it. Or we have a great idea. We don't want to go to regular funding. We realize there's $40,000 out there we can get for free. Yeah. Let's go get it. But I think why, it's, why I think it's different you when you What's have, when, I think it's different when you have like a, a, a company like Pipeworks in the beginning when it's like, hey, we need $30,000 to go do X, Y, Z, and this is what we're going to do with it. You know, it's not... It's not making our company, and this is, this is what we're going to spend that money on. This is what we're going to yeah. do with it. It's a lot easier to get behind that than when it's just like, hey, I've got a great recipe. We're trying to get our brewery together. You know, we need fifteen thousand dollars to do this, and we do that. Harlan can get it. We'll raise it for you for Harlan. Sure. Yeah, in all honesty, like, but, like, this, like, but, like, but that comes go, down to me. That comes down to me and my not even my business plan. It's my 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 virtues and my morals and where I want my money to come from. There's there's no morality between. It absolutely money, does. No. Like, oh, yes, there is. Absolutely, it's all. I mean, for me, it's morality. And I think that's probably what separates a lot of like what where the industry's at. It's a ton of morality. Like I, I I don't want people to blindly give me money based upon like what they think I'm going do you, to do. How do you explain blue sky laws then? That's set in place to protect people. Blue sky is there to protect people who make bad investments because they believe they are investing in a company. These are people who are told up front, you're not getting any percentage of the company. You are donating money to get a free T-shirt to help us get off the ground. That's it. That's all these Kickstarter funds are for. No one is telling you you're going to get some kind of return based off. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it is a gift, but you're you're going to get some kind of return based off uh, our, our earnings, or our profits. This is 100% upfront. You get a free T-shirt. You're helping us grow. That's it. You're helping us get off the ground. That's it. You're helping us uh, expand. Buy a fermenter. Buy but I think that, initially, that, that, that is initially, it, it and maybe the the. Maybe the the ethos of of what Kickstarter, because of its success, has become has changed. Because it used to be, listen, guys, the banks aren't interested in us. The normal channels aren't interested in us. But we know you want what we are trying to make. And we need your help so you will have this product that isn't available to you right now. And I think when people like, not just to rail on stone, I'm just using them as an example that many other people have done, be like, oh, we're doing this multi, 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 multi million dollar expansion and we're going to throw it on Kickstarter for marketing and PR and all PR is good PR whether people rail on us or not and this and that. And I think you know, more of that, that stuff is starting that, to... That was an idea that hadn't been used on Kickstarter, that Kickstarter hadn't experienced before. Stone came to it. First to market. Put, put itself out there. You think? Oh, and, really? and, and, and decided to say, you know what? We, we are an established brand. Thing, this we, home brewing we are amazing. thing that we talked about when Tracy was on last time, this, this home brewing kit, uh, the Zymergy thing. I mean, the back just... The, the background that these people came from, I mean, these people have money. They're using it as a platform now for for marketing. Now, these people have the money, but, uh, okay, I have it, but if I don't have to spend it, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad, which no, is that, what that. you, almost literally what you said. This, Why this. shouldn't I take this $40,000? So the, the yes. idea mm-hmm. is that's not what people go on to Kickstarter for. They're thinking of some engineer in his garage with like, oh, my God, I just made the most amazing home brew kit ever not a bunch of engineer and scientists from That's Microsoft. your idea of kickstarter at its impetus now what is kickstarter kickstarter has become a website where anyone who wants money can go and try and get money and and, yeah. and 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 offer no for people so so is what you want a kickstarter website just some website where only someone who hasn't tested themselves in the 
the wiles of commerce mm-hmm. to come and start something. No. Or, or is what you want a website where think, anybody who has an idea can come and say, please give me money to help me get this idea sure, going. That sounds great. I, I, I have theory. $10 billion, but what I want is for you to come tell me whether but, or not but this actually, idea is going. There's only, again, a certain amount of people there to give their dollars to, and the people with $10 billion are going to put the nicest little video together and mm-hmm. take that money away from the people who actually need it. Does Kickstarter get a percentage of the profits from when people raise money? I don't know. Ooh, that's yeah, good. They, 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 yeah, of course they do. So yeah. they wanted as to the get bigger. As the gentleman bigger. mentioned, there was yeah. a vetting process in the beginning, the beginning. So they wanted to put. Now they have to compete with GoFundMe and Indigo. Well, now they wanted to put. I mean, in the, in the beginning, they wanted to put together a quality product. You're drunk. In the beginning, they wanted to vet it. In the beginning, they wanted to vet it and put together a quality product to say, like, look, this is the, the best, the best that people are looking for money, and that's going to sure. draw on your emotion and your harp strings and all that stuff, and get you going and put money in it. But just like any other business, they got to make money and, and profit, and so they started opening it up. And I think that that's probably at the at the heart of the problem that we're talking about now is the fact that they changed that vetting process and it's open to everyone. Sure. So now you get everyone, every Joe Schmo, every Betty Lou putting whatever video on there and trying to get money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think and, it just came down to that yeah. if, if, if you're basing your business plan upon raising money off of Kickstarter, you're probably not going to make it in the long run. I think we might need no, to have I'm, a regular, hold on, we, need to have a, we might have to have like a regular take, like at the end, they had like Andy Rooney, we might need to have like Zuski's <laughs> take. I think you do, yeah. like a 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah. All that you know, and Zuski's take. I'll do my on. first one. You know, tonight you're hearing a lot about Kickstarter and crowdsourcing and the ways people try to raise money to start a brewery. Yeah, well, I remember when people used to try to start a business by selling lemonade on the corner. <laughs> and then that grew into maybe a, a little stand. And if they did, they did something successful, they grew into storefront business. And then a large conglomerate like AB InBev. <laughs> no, but seriously, guys, Kickstarter, the Kickstarter thing is like a non, non-issue. Did you introduce I don't know anyone. How many people here thought it was easy to get a loan? Raise your hand. Banks don't just give you no. loans. Usually the people who get the loans are the ones who also have all the money and all the assets and the cash flow and, and whatever, buildings or any, anything. So Kickstarter is a way to garner interest in your project, whether it's making craft beer, craft soda, or yeah. 3D printers. 3D printers. As much as a marketing It's also a big marketing arm. thing to gauge whether or not people care about your company. Absolutely. And also is a, is a first step of developing a relationship with a group of people who will be mm-hmm. your fans and your consumers over time. So to, you, can't, you can't kick Kickstarter, you know? It's like, it's not, it's just one tool to raise funds. Everyone knows how much it costs to make a Nano or Pico brewery or a regular microbrewery. You can't raise that much money Pico doing brewery, a Kickstarter. No. Okay? There's here, no way you're going to raise all the money doing it. It's, it's not about using Kickstarter. It's about why you're using Kickstarter. And they can raise money yeah, yeah, don't exactly. Hold on, you're absolutely right. He's not on. He's not on mic. So yeah, you gotta give him the mic. See, you don't you don't quit your job and start a brewery. Um, and think that Kickstarter is going to give you enough funds to start it and keep you going. He's absolutely right. But you could all you know look at look at the whole brewery that's a crowd crowd sourced beer thing that Mobcraft. I mean, their whole model is like a Kickstarter crowdsourcing model. The crowdsourcing model for a business isn't a bad thing. And I have to state that if it wasn't for people actually going onto our Swagathon site and just giving us money for some stuff, similar to a Kickstarter thing, 
there ain't going to be no WLPN, Lumpen Radio Station. Mm-hmm. So these things help you in increments, you know, and I think it's just important to say that and not, not bash it and make fun of people who make fancy videos. The people who make fancy videos already have the money, like you said, just like the people who get the loans are the ones who already have money. So Kickstarter and other crowdsourced things help to disadvantage people, I think. People don't have and a lot you know of what? family here's, money. Here's the thing that's fascinating you, to me about it is <clears throat> it's an exciting time to be a part of business because this is, this is mirroring other things. Media is a perfect example. We're decentralizing where these resources are coming from, and... These are good debates to have because we have to remember that when it comes to media, when it comes to capitalism, making money, we need to remember, and saying morality makes it touchy, but we need to uh, keep in mind the reason behind why we're doing things and the Mm -hmm. methods we're going through. It's not necessarily bad to go to the crowd and say, hey, help me make this happen, just so long as if we are going to, crowdsource these things we also need to crowdsource policing ourselves um you know i like the fact that i i I don't have a tv i don't watch network news i get all my news from the internet that is also crowdsourcing that's crowdsourcing media and there are other places you know education there are other places where this is happening and i think it's an incredibly exciting time to ask these questions and keep challenging each other to make sure that we're our reasons are on the up and up for why we do what we do. Awesome. Well put. Well put. And I think that's probably a good end to that segment. And now we have to get into plugs. Everyone's favorite, <clears throat> favorite part of the show. It's, it's sadly time. You can hear it's much quieter. All the drunken people have, have vomited their vomit. It's like carnage out it. there. They're all laying on yeah. the ground, passed out. <laughs> right. As long as they're, yeah. Let the bodies quiet. hit the floor. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, who wants to go? Who wants to go first? Brian, you you have anything that you want to proclaim? Talk to I'm people at that about? Level where I'm comfortable promoting my own stuff. You're not to promote. I'll your go own back life. to where I was at before. If you're not drinking beer, start drinking beer. And if you are drinking beer, drink better beer. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Anything that you want to I talk do. about? Want people to know about? I do. Uh, just a reminder that our very popular Schwartz beer, Magnetron, is now a year-round beer. So enjoy it now and enjoy it on a rooftop in July. Another thing, uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you. Maybe sure at yeah. Metro Brewing on Instagram and Twitter. And are yeah, you we're okay not big with... on social media yet. Oh, so you're That's not, not our... you're not what? comfortable we're, with we're, telling we're people. I, I don't even know Come you on, anymore. We're, we're feet yeah. on the ground. One hundred percent. Cool. Follow hard. Got plenty of changes coming next year. Talk about free okay. advertising. Social media is free advertising. I don't have an advertising budget. Yeah. How about you, Mr. Brandt? <clears throat> He's fuming. He I feel the Tell your children Krampus is coming. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, at, is that all? That's is that all? That's, the, that's, only, all that's the most important thing. Oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm yeah, cool. solely as a representative for that horn. For, the, for Krampus. Horn wonder. Yeah, awesome. Uh, as for me, uh, not a whole heck of a lot. Just thanks to everyone who has donated to the to the Swagathon. Uh, we are seeing the progress every uh, day here. I wanted to especially thank uh, Jack and Steve for the letters. Uh, some of the best discussion comes from things that you guys send to us. So believe me, uh, you guys are, are part of the industry as well. The beer drinker is why we're all here. And if you're listening to this show, you are definitely passionate about that. And if you're passionate about it, there's a good chance that we will be 
as well. So that's really all I wanted to say. Uh, thanks, as always, to Lumpin Radio and its fearless leader, Logan Bay, for sitting here and, and dealing with us. Thank you so much. Um, and, uh, yeah, we still don't have a sign-off, so uh, send any ideas for a sign-off to insiders <laughs> at craftbeertemple.com. We're going to crowdsource the sign-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a good one. Maybe one of those little, like, uh, those little whistles. Um, but, but that's about it. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I wanted to thank my guests, Ashley Brandt, Tracy Hurst, and uh, Brian Kirby. Yeah. Happy New Year. We'll have another one before the New Year. But uh, two Two I won't more, be here, maybe. though. Yeah. No. Happy yeah. 2016, everyone. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, until next time, uh, we're out, and uh, we'll see you next week. More of the Insiders Roundtable. So thanks. long. Remember, this is what we wanted. Remember, this is what we said. To never be heard and seen for again, 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 again. Remember, this is what we wanted. Remember, this is what we said. Never be heard to sing from again, 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 again. Remember, this is what we wanted. Remember, this is what we said. To never be heard to sing from.